following is a continuation of our series looking at Jesus' use of hyperbole in the Gospels. We hope you enjoy. Awesome. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity that we have at the end of the semester to come together and to learn about you. I do pray that you would teach us through your word tonight and help us to leave here better because we spent time studying your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about Jesus' words when he talks about saving and losing one's life. And I want to begin by talking about what is called a Faustian bargain. Have you all ever heard this? A Faustian bargain is kind of a cultural motif to describe somebody when they make a deal with the devil. Okay, we see this uh, in, in pop culture in a couple ways. In real life, there was actually a guy who supposedly had made this deal. His name was Robert Johnson. Yes, go you for knowing that. Who made a deal with the devil. Legend goes that he sold his soul to the devil at a local crossroads to achieve musical success. If you've ever seen, it's funny, we were talking about this earlier. If you've ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? There's actually someone who is based off of this character, a guy named Tommy Johnson in this movie, sells his soul at the crossroads to learn how to play guitar. And he does it really well. In The Mummy Returns, the Scorpion King swears to, to the god of death, Anubis, his soul in exchange for the ability to kill all of his enemies. Anakin Skywalker pledges himself to Darth Sidious in Star Wars to avenge the death of his wife. There's a lot of examples of people who go to extreme measures to get something that they want. They'll sell themselves out completely to get what they want. But in the end, a deal with the devil is what? They deal with the devil. Okay, And what is he going to do? He's going to deceive you at every turn. He's not going to have your best interests at heart. In the end, the end result is never good when we make a deal with the devil or if we pledge ourselves to something that is not healthy or good for us. So, my main point for tonight is that the world will never deliver on its promises, but only Jesus can. The world will never deliver on its promises, but only Jesus can. So, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 9. Davey, would you mind coming up and reading that again for us? Thank you, sir. Luke 9, 23 to 27. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Yeah, Jesus is speaking about our commitment to him in this passage. And he points out this difficult thing that we're supposed to do if we are to follow him, right? Which is to deny ourselves. And to, if you had to define what that means. What does it mean to deny yourself? You can answer this. Okay, so what would be an example of a way that you could deny your flesh? It's a great answer. I I would love to know. Okay. Yeah, not giving yourselves away to the things of the world, right? 
So you're, you're denying yourself something that you perceive as good, uh, but you're doing it for something that's better, right? So we deny ourselves. So sin is fun, right? Everybody thinks sin is a little bit fun? Okay. There's a reason why sin is fun. is because Satan wants us to have fun while we sin. Even though it may seem fun, it's not actually good for us. So when we deny ourselves that chance for fun, right? We're actually denying ourselves something that seems good in the short term, but is actually really bad for us in the long term. Which is why I started out with that deal of the devil illustration. The pleasures of getting something in that short term may seem so good, like we can sell ourselves away for something that seems like it's good for us, but in the end, it doesn't profit us anything. Okay, the Greek word that's actually used for denial here, it's a strong word of negation. So in this case, it means that you actually forget yourself entirely. So you don't just like forget the thing. But you forget yourself entirely. You deny yourself or you reject any thought of doing what pleases yourself. And by doing this, we're actually following Jesus in his footsteps. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. One writer describes this in saying that in becoming man, Jesus denied himself the glories of heaven, and in fulfilling the law, he denied himself the pleasures of sin. And dying on the cross, he denied himself the protection from pain. So Jesus, through his life, had to deny himself certain things. So when we deny ourselves, we're actually following in Jesus' footsteps. Now, there's actually a play on words here that I hope you caught. Okay, So this whole idea of saving versus losing. There's this curious phrase in verse 24 when he says, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. And this language might actually be a little bit of a struggle because of the belief that we are saved by grace and not by works. So it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying, there's something you have to do here in order to be in right relationship with me. Uh, just a few verses here. Ephesians 2, 8-9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Titus 2:11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying that there's something we have to do here. right? But I don't think that's actually what he's trying to say. Salvation by grace alone is exactly what we believe. We believe that God graciously gives us salvation and there's nothing we can do to add to that or gain it. However, he does invite us into the process of sanctifying us. And he gives us means in which we can actually reflect what he's doing in our hearts. I hope you catch the plain words here. He says that there is no profit for someone who does what? What's a profit? You get money or something, right? But there's no profit for someone who gains everything. You can gain all the stuff you want here on earth. You can get money, riches, fame, fortune, whatever it is, but in the end, you've gained nothing. But the opposite of that, you can lose everything. You can lose your life. You can lose yourself. You can deny yourself. And what do you get? Everything. Our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing for us. So according to what Jesus says, we must save our lives by losing them. Which sounds like a funny thing for us to do. But that's kind of the point of hyperbole. He's saying something extreme to get us to think about this. So if we took the implications of this literally, that we must save our lives by losing them, what would that mean for us? 
what would be an easy road for us at this point? We would just think about the works that we have to do, right? That we have to save ourselves. That we have to do something. That we are the ones that have to go and lose our lives in order to gain something. But what do you think is at the heart of what Jesus is saying? Are we the ones that do that? No. The Spirit is at work in us when we deny ourselves. Like So when we deny ourselves a sin, that's actually the Spirit at work in us to, to say, look, I know that this pleasure seems so good for me or it seems so much fun, but I'm going to deny myself of it. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart to make you more like Him, to make you more like God. So we can easily take this as a Jesus calls me to save my life, so I must go out and do it kind of mentality, but that's actually not what He's saying here. He's saying, trust in me. And in me alone. When you're looking to lose your life, follow me. That's the only way you can do it. Okay? We could also have a very poor understanding of material possessions because what he's not saying here is that you can't have profit in life. What he's not saying here is that you can't enjoy the fine things of life. Kind of like when he tells the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, he says, go and sell your possessions to the poor and follow me. The application of that passage is not that every Christian should sell everything that they have. The application of that passage is what's important for you. In fact, what is the most important thing in your life? And for that guy, what was the most important thing? His stuff, right? His possessions. So when Jesus asked him to do that, what happened? He walked away with his head down. and He was frustrated. Okay, He couldn't buy into that. He couldn't get on board with Jesus with that. So when Jesus says to that guy, sell your possessions and follow me, what he's essentially saying is you need to lose every bit of yourself before you can follow me. And this problem that you have, this love of possessions is actually getting in the way. And you're never going to be able to follow me truly unless you're free from that. The point of the saving by losing language is the whole picture of discipleship, how Jesus is inviting us into relationship with him so that he could teach us that he can help us understand his word more. Those that want to get the most out of life from an earthly perspective typically look for the things of the earth to please them. Things like security and entertainment, wealth and pleasure. Living in this way, risk on behalf of following Jesus because following Jesus will be hard if you're wealthy. To give up all that wealth is going to be pretty hard. But if you just give yourself into a wealthy lifestyle or a worldly lifestyle, you're probably not thinking about the things of eternity. You're thinking about the things of the moment. Okay, so we're constantly going to have distractions. And this is exactly why Jesus says, and we've, we've looked at this before, when Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to heaven, is he saying that there's never going to be rich people in heaven? No, he's just saying it's going to be really, really hard. Because money is such a big distraction for us. So if we find our identity in security or wealth or whatever those things are, then the whole idea of taking up a cross and following him is going to be so deeply hard because it means that you have to give up a big part of yourself. It means that you have to give up something that you love. It means you have to deny yourself something. Now again, don't, don't mishear him. He's not saying you have to deny everything. He's just saying there's certain parts of our lives that we have to deny. Okay? If life is all about pleasure and entertainment, then taking up a cross and following him seems foolish. It's not going to happen. It's going to be seldom that it happens. As we just said, following Jesus is not easy because that involves sacrifice. But ironically, to save one's life 
it will be lost because the world can never deliver on its promises. The world promises riches and wonders and happiness to you if you just follow your dreams and live your best life and trust in yourself and all that. Okay? But it will never deliver on that promise. But taking up our cross of discipleship always fulfills its promise. It may not feel good in the moment. I know discipleship is hard because we have to deny ourselves and it probably doesn't feel good every day. But we look at things in the eternal perspective. We look at things in the long run. And as we do that, that actually gives us a perspective to look at this thing. So the things that I deny myself here in this life, at some point, they're going to be what? They're going to be gone. They're going to be dust. They're not even going to exist. Because if we truly believe in Christ and what He's done, then we're going to be in eternity with Him. And the things of this earth really, really won't matter at all anymore. So, as we think about this story, I want us to think about what it means to live unto Jesus. These are all like churchy words that we hear all the time. We often don't think about what discipleship means for us personally. I want to read a quote from a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny and Friends. This is what she said about cross-bearing. Just so you know, she has a fascinating story. She dove off a dock and hit the bottom of something on the bottom of the lake, and she was essentially paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of her life. And this is what she writes about cross-bearing. If you think your cross is hard to bear, imagine living your life with no feeling below your neck. That's, that's got to be really hard. She says, I have learned that it's a passion for God that will give you a passion for people. And this utter delight in Him will come from the toughest of trials that you're about to face. Our affliction becomes that which pushes and shoves us down the road to the cross. And that's what it means to become like his, him in his death. Don't think that the cross is simply a wheelchair or an irritating job or an irksome mother-in-law, but the cross is a place where you die to sin and live to God. She's got some good perspective there. She's really thinking big picture. Yes, I'm going through some suffering now. Yes, I'm denying myself a lot of joy in life because I can't do anything. But she's keeping her eyes on Jesus. And that's really what Jesus is telling us here. Keep our eyes focused on the cross. That's the prize. That's the picture that we need to keep our eyes on. And as we do that, he's teaching us to live a life of salvation. To live out the salvation that he has put in our hearts. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But those that enter it are many. For the gate that is narrow... It's the hard way, but it leads to life, and those who find it are few. There's this false premise out there that once we give our lives to Jesus, then everything just becomes better for us. In some ways, that might be true, but oftentimes life actually gets harder because we have to deny ourselves, because we have to put our full faith in Him and not do what we want to do. To gain the whole world is to take the wide gate. But to deny ourselves and take the narrow gate, that's what it means to bear our cross. That's what it means to follow Him. We have to make sacrifices. And who here loves to sacrifice stuff? Any of y'all? None of y'all. I don't. The reason why we can do that, we can make these small sacrifices, is because Jesus did what? He sacrificed everything for us. He gave everything in order to give us life. The world promises you life. 
can't give you that life. Can't give you that kind of life. And that's why it's better for us to lose our lives on this side of eternity so that we can have life forever. Amen? Alright, let me pray for us and then I have a surprise for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I ask that you please be with us as we fellowship for the rest of the night and uh, be with these students as they finish up this semester. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WIS.